Welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, you know, the Lutheran who believes but may have questions. So, in short, the program is designed for someone just like me because there is a lot I don't understand. Maybe not something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch-style talk with the pastors, often the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest pastor is Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. And you can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org, or you can call in during the program. In the Metro East and St. Louis Metro area, that number is 314-821-0850, or in the lower 48, anywhere toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Lawrence, welcome. Yes, it's good to be back. How are you? Well, it's that's going to be part of the topic of the conversation today, Pastor. Um, I've got to give a full disclosure here to the audience. Uh, first of all, I am a member of St. James Family, and Pastor Lawrence is my pastor. And the topic today is something that I would have uh, approached him for counseling regardless. But I think that it's something that many of us are facing or will face or have faced and uh, I think perhaps maybe uh, making this, doing this on a public, uh, in a public forum, a public, public platform, may be of use. So here's the question, and here's the situation. What happens when a loved one dies outside the faith? What happened in my case is my brother, my older brother, passed away earlier this month. And I loved my brother dearly. We were different in many ways, but we were always, always brothers. Unfortunately, not only did he die, he died without faith. Not just outside the Lutheran faith, but he did not have faith, period. And so, here I am, facing a loss of a family member, and wondering about, is his soul lost as well? So, Pastor... What can you tell me? Yes, I know. You know, that's, uh, there's no easy answer for a question like that. Because, um, uh, you know, it hap- like you said, it happened to a lot of us where, you know, you have um, a loved one and, uh, you know, you question um, their faith um, when they were alive and uh, and they pass away and you're still in doubt about their their faith. Um, I can relate to you too in, 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 in a sense. It wasn't a brother, but um, it was my father, you know. And uh, I loved my father dearly. And, uh, and I always wondered about his salvation um, because he was not a man that was... Uh, I mean, he was raised in the church to some extent. Um, in fact, I hear that uh, when he was quite young, he was one of those who often gave testimony in church. But uh, as he grew, he walked away from it all and uh, lived a completely um, reckless kind of a life. 
Um, in fact, um, you know, he, uh, he did something pretty bad at one time. You know, he uh, went as far as uh, shooting up a church one Sunday morning. Um, never got arrested for it because he had uh, powerful friends. Um, this happened in Jamaica, of course. Um, and he had powerful friends, so he was never even arrested for it. And, uh, you know, I still remember um, as I grew up and had a conversation with him, you know, his his uh, attitude was that he didn't need anyone because he had money, you know. And I always found it uh, ironic that um, a couple of years before he passed away, he came down with Alzheimer's and gradually lost his mind. And I always said to my wife, that's kind of ironic because, you know, he talks about having his money and not needing anyone. And and I always wonder, well, what good is your money if you don't have your mind? You know? Um, And uh, eventually he did pass away. And you sit there and you, you know, you have your doubts about... um, his salvation, you know, where did he go after he uh, passed away? Um, But, you know, one of the things we should always be careful of when it comes to someone we have doubts about um, is to reserve judgment. And the reason why I would caution about reserving judgment is, first of all, you know, When I examine myself, what do I find? I find that I also deserve hell, you know? I deserve hell, but I'm not getting hell because of Christ, you know? If it wasn't for the grace of God, I would also face hell. But also another reason why I sometimes caution people about, um, you know, ask them to reserve judgment and not actually draw a conclusion and say this person definitely is lost is because we have what they call these um, these uh, last minute um, conversations with God. Um, I'll give you a good example. You know, in the Bible, you know, the, the thieves on the cross, you know, we always refer to people having that thief on the cross moment. The thief on the cross, um, both of them were crucified with with Jesus. They had lived uh, terrible lives. And uh, even hanging on the cross, you know, they're, you know, railing against Jesus. And uh, one of them realized, wait a second, you know, we are getting what we deserve. Um, but this man has done nothing wrong. And even at that last moment when he turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And I always remember that and go, well, if a thief have that last minute conversation with the Lord and is saved, it means that we should always reserve judgment. 
Because, you know, another incident I remember also in Scripture is uh, the disciples asking Jesus, um, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And what he did was he took a child and placed the child in their midst, and he goes, this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And you go, well, what is so great about a child? Well, the child is a needy one, a dependent. A child is dependent on others. And I think sometimes illness, especially when one is near death, it can bring a person to the point where they realize that they are needy. They are completely dependent. Um, and, uh, you know, they may have heard the word at some point in their life. And at some point, did they ever say before dying, Lord, have mercy? Because, you know, that is, that is an interesting and powerful prayer. You know, sometimes in church, when um, I read these long petitions, and I say, at the end of the petition, I would say, let us pray to the Lord. And the congregation would respond, Lord, have mercy. And they might say, Pastor, you did a wonderful job praying. And I would go, well, I wasn't really the one praying. I was just listing the things that we should pray for. The ones that actually did the praying was you, the congregation. Those few words, Lord, have have mercy. And, you know, you wonder about those deathbed moments when someone realizes that they are needy, dependent. What if someone in that moment says, Lord, have mercy? Would he not have mercy? You know, so I, I always caution about reserving judgment and go, I don't know, you know? I don't know what happened to that person in their last hours, in their final moment. Um, did they ever realize their total dependence, their needingness of God and call out to him? Because if they did, um, I might be sitting here and going, you know, that is lost. And then one day when I get to heaven, all I see is him welcoming me home, you know. <laughs> and so it's possible. You know, it's possible. Now, are, are there people that are lost? Yes. You know, there are people who never call out to the Lord, um, who uh, just railed against him. You know, one of, you have two thieves on the cross. One called out to him at the last minute. The other railed against him to the end. So, in, you know, we can talk about the one that was saved, but we could also talk about the one that was most likely damned. Um, but in our case, we always want to reserve judgment and uh, not uh, not really say where someone went. Now, it all is always helpful if you have uh, evidence of a person's faith. Um, when we do funeral sermons, um, we if we have evidence of the person's faith, we may mention it. And it may sound as if we are eulogizing the dead, but we're not. We're just pointing to the evidence of someone's faith. Now, what if I have no evidence? I can still preach the gospel. And why can I still do that? I can do that because the casket has 
silent as it is, it is preaching a very loud message. It is telling us that the wages of sin is death. Look, this person has died. The wages of sin is death. And so the, the, the calling of the pastor is to counter the message of the casket with, but that's not the end of the story. The gift of God is eternal life for Jesus' sake. And so, you know, in our tradition, our goal is never to eulogize the dead, to praise them, but to preach Christ and him crucified and that we have eternal life in him. And and funeral sermons are more for the living than the dead in that sense, because it's a reminder to us that, yes, the wages of sin is, is death. And it's also a reminder to us that we should prepare ourselves to fall asleep in Christ and so that there is no doubt about our salvation. You know, sometimes a good thing I look back on for a person is whether they were baptized or not. I always go, well, you know, was this person baptized? And that means the person at least was brought into the church at one time. Now, does that mean, you know, once saved, always saved? No, that's not the case. You can be saved and you can lose your salvation. We are not Calvinists. This is what I'm afraid um, of with my brother. He, he was raised Lutheran, as was I. He was baptized. He was confirmed. And you know, to an extent, we both fell away. I fell away, but I never stopped believing. He just completely rejected all the teachings of the church. Just totally rejected. I, I don't know why or how. Um, you know, he was an electrical engineer, uh, very well educated, extremely intelligent man. In fact, I would I'd classify him as brilliant. Uh, but uh, but maybe that maybe it's because he was so incredibly what is it rational or reasonable or, or reasonable reason yeah yeah the age yes. of reason that rejects yes, the concept I think, yeah you're right I think sometimes you know um, reason can become a stumbling block for us because things have to somehow be reasonable or make sense to us before we accept it. And faith is not that reasonable. You know, faith, um, a child can believe. An infant can believe. Um, even though the infant cannot explain his or her faith to you. Because faith is a gift of God. You know, the scriptures remind us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That, you know, when we hear the word of God, you know, that's why baptism, you know, we refer to baptism as the visible word um, because it's both audible and visible um, because that's a sacrament. And through it, the Lord works faith. Um, you know, faith is not, is not our doing. And I think sometimes when we get so intellectual or we want to reason everything, um, it interferes with faith because faith is a gift of God. It is not something that you can fully explain. Um, now, does it mean that it's not there? No, it doesn't mean that it's not there. Does that mean that the person doesn't understand it and therefore is uh, is lashing out at something they don't understand? You know? Now, 
you know, you know, and that's unfortunate because you know he was brilliant, but he let his reason cloud his, uh, you know, his his ability to to see faith that God gave him to see that. Um, maybe he just completely destroyed it. But at the same time, again, we should always reserve judgment and go, I don't know what happened in his final hours. I always um, hope, did he that, ever... I hope that the yes, Holy Spirit visited yes, him that, at that last moment, yes. but I'll never know, at least not in yes, this life. Because, you know, you know, I think the Lord is always reaching out to us, always reaching out to us, especially when we need him. You know, there are times in my life where I just feel so completely helpless and look at certain situations and go, how am I going to fix this? You know, there's just no way out of this. And uh, and sometimes it amazes me how the Lord comes through, you know, for me. And you realize I would never have been able to figure this out. Um you know, there was a young lady once that was uh, talking with me about that same issue. And uh, she had had a difficult childhood and uh, also had a parent. Um, in her case, it was a mother. And uh, she was always worried about the way her mother lived and was raising her. And she was getting ready to graduate from high school. And she was talking with me about her own mother, and she said, I don't ever want to be like her. I don't want to turn out like that. And, uh, you know, I said to her, you don't have to. By the grace of God, you don't have to. I said, my father shot up a church one Sunday morning, and look at that. I preach the gospel in one every Sunday morning. So by the grace of God, you know, um, you don't have to turn out like her. Um, but again, you know, this idea of reserving judgment is where I think, you know, it becomes difficult and you have no easy answer. You can't say to the person, well, you know, because it's your brother or because it's your father, of course this person is safe. No, that is not always the case. But at the same time, you just don't know. You know, you never know what happened to people at the last minute. I was talking to another colleague of mine about this, <laughs> and uh, he mentioned a situation that he had where he was uh, um, asked to visit um, a young man who was dying, and the young man had lived a very reckless life as a gambler, and uh, even when he visited the young man, there seemed to be no um, evidence of uh, change or repentance. Um, even the young man's girlfriend was not very welcoming of him. And uh, he, you know, was reaching out to them, explain the gospel again, try to pray. Can't pray with him. You can pray for him. And after he left, um, he thought, well, that was useless. Only to get a call that they wanted him to come and visit them again. He went back, and uh, the person seemed very <laughs> unresponsive to to his, um, his uh, guidance, his praying, his scripture references, 
uh, all that he has to say about faith, all that he has to say about Christ and him crucified. Person just seemed to not pay much attention. And then he heard that the person wanted to see him again. He visited the person maybe about five times, you know, and before the person died. And he goes, how do I know? The fact that the person wanted to hear again is what, you know, opened the door that I don't know what the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit may have used those words to work faith. Um, so when asked to do the funeral, if he would do the funeral, naturally he <laughs> agreed to, to do the, the funeral. Does he have evidence of faith? No. But the point is not to always have evidence of faith that you can point to, but um, to point to law and gospel. Again, the casket preaches law. And here we have an opportunity to speak to the living and go, that's not the end of the story, especially for us who are in Christ. Um, The gift of God is eternal life. And a reminder to us to prepare ourselves to fall asleep um, in Christ. Because that is always important. So that so that there is no doubt. You know what I mean? You don't want to sit there and wondering where a loved one went. You know, that is very uncomfortable. It's very unnerving to just sit there and go, will I ever see that again? Yeah, that's where, you know, that's where I'm going through right yeah. now. I'm sorry? I said that's what I'm going through right now. Yes, yes. And you go... Will I ever see my my brother again? Um, and that's you know that's where the, um, the it's, it's uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable situation to be in. Um, but you know my advice would be to um, reserve judgment and uh, not draw conclusions and say where this person went because um, we don't know um, what happened with that person in there final moment, your final hour, um, if they had any kind of what they call deathbed confession or conversion. Um, we don't know that. So, you know, it's best for us to just reserve judgment. Well, you know, there was the, um, uh, there's a Christian movie called God's Not Dead. And uh, one of the central <laughs> characters of that was a uh, very outspoken atheist who in his final moments, accepted baptism. Wow. So, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's worth watching, believe me. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and so he was saved. Um, I look at you know, how people approach death. I mean, my brother and I have talked about it before. And um, he told me that uh, he wasn't afraid to die. Um, and frankly, neither neither am I. I mean, I know I'm going to be saved. Uh, I think with him, he would just look at it and say, well, this whole mess will be over with. Then I look at my late wife, who was a Christian, but she was terrified of death, just terrified of it. So, mm. And so that shows me something there, too. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, you know, to, to not fear death or to fear it... Um, you see, we can't even point to that and go, you know, is is the one who does, is the one that didn't fear death, is that one in faith or the one who feared death, is that one 
who is not in faith. You know, again, judgment has to be reserved because in a way I fear death. You know, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, it's not something I would just, just gladly welcome. If I have an opportunity to avoid it, um, you know, I, I certainly would try to avoid death. I remember this um, elderly woman that uh, was a member of the church in New York where I served for a while. And uh, she was up there in age. And, uh, you know, they would always ask her, when, when you die, are you going to heaven? And she said, well, yeah, heaven is my home, but you know what? I'm not homesick yet. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, I love on that. One hand, on the one hand, you know, she knew that, uh, you know, when the time comes, that's where she's going. But at the same time, the idea that you have to pass through this gloomy portal of death to get there was not something she uh, looked forward to. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe your late wife was terrified of going through that gloomy portal and you know your brother wasn't um but the important thing is are we in christ you know um, because there are people who don't fear death but they're not in christ so mm-hmm. like you know the muslim for example look at oh, some of yeah. these some of these muslims that will blow themselves up to kill people and they think that, uh, you know, things are going to be great for them when they die. They're in for and a go, no. shock. <laughs> yeah, you're in for a shocker, you know. <laughs> it's not going to be that great for you when you die. But he faced death almost with courage and with a sense of glory. And he's in for a rude awakening. <laughs> um, whereas some of us Christians who, you know, fear death, um, but yet... We are in Christ, and so um, at the moment of death, we will be fine. We'll be with the Lord. Um, St. Paul didn't seem to fear death, you know. I think one of our readings from last Sunday, the epistle reading of the Philippians, he talk about, um, you know, he, would, uh, he doesn't mind departing and being with the Lord because that is far better. <laughs> and I, you know, you read that text and you go, really? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I'm not that willing to go just yet, you know? Still but got things I think to the do. Important thing, yeah, yeah, you have some things I'd like to do. <laughs> well, Pastor, we got to um, take a break right here, but there's a lot more I want to talk to you about with this, uh, with this subject. It really is on yeah. my mind. It really is bothering me. And as I said, I suspect a lot of people out there have been in exactly the same situation. I know you have. I'm sure there were others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, 
and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash careers. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Blessed Savior Lutheran Church at 8 a.m. and Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fenton at 10.30, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 9.30. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. It's National Comic Book Day. While that idea instantly evokes images of Superman, Wonder Woman, and Archie and Jughead, did you know many publishers are producing comic book and graphic novels that explore biblical themes? One of the first was Picture Stories from the Bible, full-color, 10-cent comic books published by DC Comics in 1944. Later examples include The Picture Bible from David C. Cook, Bible Force from Thomas Nelson and the Lion Graphic Bible. The Kingstone Bible Trilogy with 10,000 art panels has been called the most complete graphic adaptation of the Bible ever published. Created by over 40 Marvel and DC experienced artists working with evangelical writers, it covers every book of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in stunning full-color graphics. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Guest pastor today is Pastor Wayne Lawrence with St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. We are discussing when a loved one dies without faith. Boy, that, that lays uh, heavy on a person. You know, if you want to join in this discussion, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us in the St. Louis area, Metro East as well, at area code 314-821-0850. Anywhere in the lower 48, you can call in toll-free at 800-730-2727. Or you can even email us at letstalk at kfuo.org. Now, Pastor, you know, when I said that um, I'm not afraid of death... But process of dying now, that's that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean there there are you know, I, I can fully accept, you know, I might not get home alive today. That's cool. I, I can live with that. Uh but to know that I am only have like six months to live. I, I, I'm reminded 
of a uh, of a friend of mine uh, oh, back in California when I was living there. He and I were working at the same radio stations together. We were pretty good friends, played softball together. <clears throat> well, he was having some chest pains and thought he was having an angina attack. And so he went to see his doctor in December. And was told he had 90 days left to live. And he was told he had 90 days? Yeah, he had, a, he had metastatic lung cancer. It just spread all over. Very aggressive. And there was nothing that they could do about it. Um, I, I ran into him shortly before his death. He, uh, he, I saw he, he and his wife at a restaurant. Uh, my wife and I had gone to it. And uh, he had lost all this weight. I mean, the uh, his eyes were, were sunken but glowing. Uh, you often see that in people who are near death. And he told me that he and his wife had just gone out looking for his coffin. Oh, boy. <laughs> I would not have yeah. the courage to do that. Oh, boy. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. It is. Yeah, it because, is. Yeah, because now he's preparing for death. He, he knows it's coming. It's one thing to know that you can die, but you don't know when. Yeah. Um, it's another thing to see it come in. Um, just picture yeah. here we are, you know, right now in in no in uh, September, not knowing, you know, knowing that this would be my last Christmas, I would never see another one. Oh boy, yeah, that one would weigh on me. Uh, the other yeah. thing is, you know, it the the final stage can be very painful. Um, right. And uh, I don't like pain. <laughs> uh, right, right. And I can understand, I think, why people would opt for assisted suicide. Now, I'm going to say right off the bat, this is wrong. It is a sin. It should not be allowed. I can understand, right. however, why they might want to do that. Uh, and I think what I would do if I was in that kind of a situation is I would simply refuse further treatment. And, that and I people think, have done that. Yeah, and, and that I think would be permissible yeah. under, under our... Under right. Because I remember having um, a member that was in the hospital, and when I went to see her, she had this band on her arm that, um, I think, what was it to get it, Mark? Um, do not resuscitate. I think it meant do not, do not resuscitate, right. And uh, I said to her, do you know what that is? And she said, yes. I <laughs> go... You're telling you're saying to the to the medical staff here that if you start slipping away, not to do anything, and she go, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Um, <laughs> you know, that's another a, a tough one, but um, in that sense, um, she was ready to to go if it if it came to that. No, she wasn't. You know, she doesn't want anybody to assist her in dying. She's not trying to say speed it up. But she's been saying, you know, I'm at a stage now where if, um, if I'm slipping away, don't stop me. Well, now, I had um, to face a, a situation with my late wife. Uh, she had, she was terminally ill. She had COPD, and it was, it was incurable. It was progressive, and it was going to be, a bit, and, and was fatal. Uh, but she had gone into the, uh, the hospital for a procedure. 
and uh, something went wrong. I mean, her, the apparently she just picked up a raging, a raging bladder infection, and uh, the doctor came out. You know, she was unconscious, and uh, the doctor came out to me and, and you know, well, we we know she's got this disease and that she's she's going to die. Uh, we can just stop treatment at this point, and she will pass away. The problem is, is that my wife specifically told me she did not want to be let go. <laughs> that, that no, 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 there's no do not resuscitate with me. You're going to try to keep me alive. And so there was the decision that I had to make. Uh, the if you ever if you have ever nursed someone for a, a period of time as they sink, it is one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. Um, um, and I was thinking, you know, the thought went through my mind, oh God, I'd love to have this over with right now, but it wasn't my choice. Right, right. You knew what she wanted. And so, um, you did what she wanted. Oh, she specifically and, said it and remembered the marriage vows. Yes. For better, for worse. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know my wife and I joke about things like that sometimes. Um, but uh, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you need to really sit down and plan and go. In events of um, you know one of us passing, what do you want happen? You know, I always say to her, you know, just make sure you don't die before me. <laughs> um, I even go as far as saying, if you ever die before me, I'll kill you. Uh, you know? <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, you do wonder about that. You know what? Uh, what would the person want? And you know, I think you know we should seriously um, plan and let a person, let the other person know in advance. If I'm I've in this situation, I've already done that with with my my new wife, Golly. That's, that's a horrible way to say it. I have remarried since my wife died, uh, and and she and I have discussed it. And we both know which way we're going to go on that, and we're both we're both in the DNR uh, frame of mind. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna go with the DNR? Yeah, yeah. If it's uh, yeah, yeah. I won't. Uh, I'm not going to hasten bad. it, but you know, as they say, I, I, if it if the time comes, you know, I I'm ready. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, some of the some of the things that the medical staff will do to make a person comfortable. Um, they're not intending to speed up death, but some of what they do um, actually speeds it up. You know, they give you all this morphine and, you know, pain medication and things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, uh, it, uh, it hastened death a little bit too. Well, my um, wife was, was in hospice. She went into, a, a, initially she was in what they call palliative care where they uh, try to treat the symptoms and, and try to make them comfortable, but it's not extreme. But then they hit a point where death is likely within about six months and they go into hospice. And at that point, they suddenly really upped on the drugs. And, uh, yes. And went into some yes. extreme, extreme t treatment to make her comfortable. And I don't have, a, I have no argument with that whatsoever. In right. case in her end, I don't know. It certainly was not the intent, but I do know it Easter. No, no, 
No, they, the intent is to make you comfortable um, until that point where you pass. But, um, you know, to have somebody on morphine, you know, yeah. um, that much morphine, you know, yeah. painkillers. Um, yeah, that was kind of funny. You know, you because... wonder, because that was part of the part of the uh, the final treatment during a during a, a hospice was was to administer morphine, and she really didn't want that. She kept saying, "Well, I I, I don't get addicted to that. I don't get hooked." <laughs> See, when I get better, because that was the other thing. She, as I said, she refused to believe she was dying. <laughs> but you know, when you're in uh, when you're in hospice, you know what's what's okay. Fine, you get addicted to 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 uh, morphine. So what? Yeah, yeah. But she always held out the hope that she would get better. Yeah, even though the uh, the doctors were very upfront with her, saying, "No, this you you will not get better." Wow. Yeah. You know, my own brother went through something like that with his son. No, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, his um, his son had uh, a rare kind of cancer that um, the prognosis was not good at all and uh, my brother had to take care of him to the end and uh, I remember when I went to see him he said to me um, I would not want to go through something like this without Christ and uh, you know and that's another thing I think we have as Christians um, that hope and uh, the Lord gives us the strength we need, you know, when the time comes. Well, that's really what um, brought me back to the church. Was was I, I? I couldn't go through it without Christ. I knew that, and so I went to my pastor. Right. See. Well, that's what my well, my brother is uh, was always uh, he's Pentecostal, um, but uh, Christian and. Uh, you know, when I saw him, that was what he said to me. He said, I could not, you know, to watch your son slip away from you like that. And at the last minute, his son thought he was going to get better because he had an older sister that was about to turn 16. And he says, watch and see. I'm going to live to be at her sweet 16 party. And, uh, you know, my brother looked at him knowing that he wasn't going to last that long. But, of course, you're not going to tell him that. Um, and uh, he said he would just keep giving him those painkillers and those sedatives to make him relax, make him comfortable and pain-free. But uh, yeah, he didn't last that long. But uh, And my question to him, even though, you know, we had... We had this big disagreement in the family about infant baptism and it caused us to go our separate ways. But his son, Matthew, was now about 13 or 14. And when Matthew passed away, that was my question to him. I go, was he baptized? And he go, well, yeah, I baptized him myself. And uh, he says, I know that that's important to you. And I go, yes, that's important to me to know that Matthew was baptized. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, to me, Matthew was prepared. Once he was baptized, now he's really prepared. Um, he's on board the, the ship and, uh, <laughs> you know, he's on board the church. Um, he belongs to Christ. He belongs to Christ more than he belonged to my brother. And, 
you know those are the things that uh, give us this hope and comfort um, when a loved one passes and so that is why you know when people are alive you know that is why we as Christians feel the need to reach out with uh, with the gospel and to try to reach them um, before they pass you don't want to wait until after a person passes then you sit there and go wow I wonder where he went um, but while he's alive you know we it, you know again you know not that we can force it upon somebody because sometimes if you um, tr- you know keep reaching out to someone um, verbally with the gospel it can make them more stubborn but if we become examples of righteousness you know the scripture tells us to be examples of righteousness for our children well we can also be examples of righteousness for our loved ones even when they fall away from church it's important that we still remain in church um, and keep them in prayer keep them in prayer always that they would uh, come back to the church um, someday you know I have loved ones like well, I'd ask you to put him on the prayer list, which you did. Yes. Before he died. Yes, but but there are just so many other loved ones like that, that you see them drifting away from the church. You can't get them to come back to church. They just take, they take Christianity, their faith for granted. And, uh, you know, all you can do is, is pray about, uh, pray for them and try to be an example of righteousness for them. So that when they ask, you know, St. Peter say, you know, we must live in a way so that it begs the question, so that someone asks us for the reason. What's the reason for the hope that is within you? And then when they ask the question, then we give them the answer. Um, Christ and him crucified um, is my hope. Um, so that at least we can try to to win them back. One of the things you want to talk about Texas that sometimes scare you, the one that um, scares me about someone dying outside the faith is the one where Jesus talked about, you are the salt of the earth. And he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, where will it become salty again? And then you know, I always say, Lord, I can't make somebody become salty again, but you can you know, you can. And, uh, you know, so we always want to keep them in prayer. But at the same time, we always want to reserve judgment and not draw a conclusion and go, I know where this person went. And the simple reason for that is because you don't know when a person is in their final moments, when they become needy and dependent, what did they do? You know, did they do like the thief on the cross and go, Lord, have mercy. Um, because if they did, you know, it's not how long we've been um, working in the vineyard that we get a bigger salary. You know, I like that text that we had the other day about um, the workers in the vineyard and uh, the one that worked all day and then the one that came at the last hour. They all got the same denarius. And the ones that have been there all day, they're grumbling. You know, you make them equal to us and we work so hard. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what is the Lord saying with that parable? He's saying it's not how long a person has been working in the vineyard, 
but it's the fact that he comes in. You know, if he comes in even at the last minute, um, salvation is his. Just like someone who has been in the church and never left, um, the one that comes in at the last minute or the one that returns. In fact, the our gospel reading for this Sunday, um, they give a shortened version of it in our um, lex in our lectionary um, and in the insert. But the longer reading includes the um, the parable of the two sons, um, where one said to the Lord, "I'll go," and he didn't go. And the other one said, I won't go, and then turned, changed his mind and went. You know, so we have people who walk away from the faith, and uh, eventually they do come back. It was always my prayer that, you know, my father would uh, um, would return one day. In fact, it was my mother's prayer. Because I remember when I was a teenager, I always said to her, I think when daddy passed, we won't even know that he passed. And she just sat up and looked at me and go, don't say that. Um, he will surface. <laughs> you know? And um, I think it was always her prayer, even though he was her ex-husband. She had reached a point where she was even praying for his salvation. Um, is he safe? We don't know. But I don't know that he's not either, you know. Uh, isn't this tough? This is a tough one, isn't it? I go, man, I wish I had easy answers to give you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish I had easy answers to give you, but um, no, I don't. But uh, Faith alone, grace alone, that, the word know, alone. Yes, yes, but I pray that, you know, you would um, reserve judgment when it comes to your 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 brother, reserve judgment but also to make sure that you are prepared um, because we don't know when that time for us, for each one of us is coming. And we should always be prepared to fall asleep in Christ. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, I look at it, you know, uh, my brother was 81. My dad lived to be 88. On the other hand, both of my when my grandparents, my grandfathers were my age, they'd have, they'd have been dead for a number of years. So... <laughs> Well, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you sometimes wonder about longevity in your family, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, as I say, okay, the, <laughs> it skipped a couple of generations. Me and my, as I said, both my parents lived to a ripe old age. My brother did, but uh, both of my grandfathers died young. Wow. I had a grandmother on my father's side. Not, not his mother, his grandmother, which would be my great-grandmother. She lived to, I think, 101. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but then again, you know, and also I think there are, you know, we had this one member um, when he was, when he was 98, I visited him um, in his assisted living place. And uh, in one of my visits, he said to me, this is going to be my last year. And I said, how do you know that? Um, I could still die before you. And he says, no, you won't. And he said he, he was so confident that this was going to be his last year. And he, he lived to 99. And you know when he died? He passed, I think, two months before his undressed birthday. Oh, boy. Two months. Yeah. 
but he was ready to go from he was 98. Um, so I think, you know, there are people who um, maybe become homesick. <laughs> <laughs> I, one of my f- first reporting assignments back when I was a young reporter was to interview a guy who had just turned 100. And, of course, there's the standard question, well, to what do you attribute your longevity? And I, to this day, I remember yeah. his answer. He said, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, and I didn't run with wild women until I was 14. That's his answer. You know, I always, yeah, I, I know, you know, when, when people ask me, they say, well, what do you, you know, how do you uh, account for this change in your life as opposed to your father? Why are you so different? And I always say, you know what? There's something called gratitude. Mm. You know, gratitude. You know, the Lord bless us and his call to us is to respond with gratitude. And, you know, Thankful people are different from ungrateful people, you know, and uh, thankful people build things. Um, Ungrateful people can be destructive, you know. I always looked at my father's way of doing things and go, man, isn't he just destructive? Um, But I always say, you know, I was raised in the Catholic school where they always emphasize gratitude, whatever it is, remember to be thankful. And don't just say thank you with your with your mouth. Say it by the way you live. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things we can be thankful, yes, one of the things we can be thankful. I bridges both Catholicism and Lutheranism. We both have that same concept. Yes, yes. There is this, yeah, there is this, um, this um, Eucharistic way of thinking that the proper response to what God has done is to be thankful, you know? Um, and you don't just thank him with your, with your mouth. You're supposed to thank him with your whole life. And uh, when you live a life of gratitude, it is so different. It is, you know, when you thank God for your wife, it affects the way you treat your wife. When you thank God for your children, it affects the way you treat them. When you thank God for your country, it affects the way you treat your country and how you vote. I mean, everything, you know, if you're if you're living a thankful life. Um, and, you know, that's important because we are so blessed. Um, we are blessed to be a part of the church. We are blessed to be, to have salvation, a free gift, something we didn't earn something we don't even deserve. Um, I always look at uh, someone who died out of faith, and I go, Man, for the, if it wasn't for the grace of God, that could be me. You know, that's what I deserve. Well, as but, we say, we never know when it's hey, going to end, but guess what? The program's yes. coming to an end. <laughs> oh, yes. Pastor, well, I think we should all... Yeah, let's close so with a word of prayer. Thank you yeah, so much for being on the program and, and yeah, the yeah. advice that you've just given me. Been listening to The Pastor yeah. is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org.
Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.